It's really, it's the most Sunday school answer imaginable. Like, what should you do? Pray and read your Bible. And I try to hammer to people that, like, those are the most common answers. They're the church answers, and they're the right answers. <laughs> There's a reason that, like, you're going to hear that your entire life is you need to pray. You need to read your Bible. There's no substitution for it. And we can get, we can get scripture passages online. We can get the Bible app and get the verse of the day and read a devotional. And all those are good, and you can do that, but there, there's no alternative for just reading the Bible and getting in God's Word, whether it's in a physical book or on the Bible app, you know, or the internet. Um, and the same thing with prayer. There's really, I mean, there's not a single alternative to prayer. Hello, and welcome to the FBC Sermon Podcast. Today's sermon is entitled, The Audacity of Prayer by Chris Hort. It was based on Luke 11, 5 through 10. We hope you enjoyed today's sermon. My name's Chris. For those of you who don't know me, I'm the student ministry pastor here. Uh, what you've just watched is our video from Hume Camp last week. Uh, it's a summer camp for high school um, students. And as you saw in the video, it's a lot of fun. I love camp. Um, we had to cut the video off, but if, you, if it had kept going, you would have seen like paintball and like all this other like crazy camp activities, you know, like people yelling and running and throwing things at each other. And it's awesome. Um, <laughs> but as you heard, um, there's also um, very real gospel preaching that's central to the camp as well. And one thing that the video can't portray that is very important um, that happened last week is um, that there was some very real spiritual warfare going on at this camp. Um, so usually um, at Hume, they kind of do this narrative thing. They show videos before every sermon. They kind of do a narrative um, that's based on the Bible, but they, ha they create their own characters and stories. Um, last, week or last year was called J The Road Out of... Jaira and the Road Out of Copperhead. And it was essentially the story of Moses leading the people out of Exodus, um, or leading them out of Egypt in Exodus. And so they usually have the story, they have the Hume staff like acting and narrating, and they do this big presentation, and it's kind of goofy, but also serious at the same time. Um, and this year, the Hume staff decided to kind of strip all of that down. Um, they ditched the narrative entirely, and it was a very serious um, subject matter. It was called Truth Be Told. And they really felt like they needed to tell people that there is truth, that God is reality, God, God is truth, and that there is truth in the world. And so when you start telling people that there is truth, um, the devil gets really mad, <laughs> you know? And so I know that some people can take spiritual warfare to this ridiculous extent of like, my, my engine seized, I think this is spiritual warfare. And it's like, well, you didn't put oil in your engine. You know, that happened to me. <laughs> so, so, um, so, but at a certain point, when you see the things that are happening, you hear the things that are happening, you see the lies that are being fed to these teenagers, at a certain point, you have to recognize that there was very real spiritual battle going on. And I think what set it in for me was on the first full day there, we heard the first sermon about truth uh, where it was less Bible-oriented and more trying to accustom people to the idea that there is truth, because that's not even a popular idea nowadays. So it was really saying, like, there is an objective truth, um, and God is the author of reality, so God gets to determine what that truth is. And it was this beautiful day, and, like, throughout the day, like, these clouds started forming, and, like, th by the end of the night, there was just this crazy thunderstorm that, like, knocked, off, knocked out power at half the camp, um, 
and it was like hailing. I didn't even know it could hail in the summer. Um, I'm sure that's pretty obvious, but I didn't know that. And so it was like we were soaking wet and the power was out and then everyone still went to chapel for the second sermon of the day and people were just like singing praise to God. We were all just like soaking wet and it smelled terrible and we were uncomfortable and cold and it, we were just singing these worship songs and you could, you could feel it. Like the devil was angry and God was being praised in spite of all this. And there were so many other things that happened throughout camp that I don't have time to get into, but the staff said they sent more people home than ever from like anxiety and people literally fighting each other at middle school camp and like technology was going crazy and just all these things that at a certain point you have to recognize something is going on. <laughs> and so when there's this spiritual battle going on, there's nothing we can really do except rely on God and pray, which is why I love this um, passage that Pastor Lily read. And I'm just going to read it again, the first part of it. So this is in Luke 11, 5 through 8. It says, Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. That would be me. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, Yet because of your, sh your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. I don't know about you, but I, I think this is funny. Like, your shame like, Jesus is encouraging us to have shameless audacity. And other translations use words like importunity and like impudence and persistence. But the idea is basically asking to the point where it's annoying. <laughs> and so it's basically a free pass to be obnoxious in some regards. So I love this passage. Um, and so I got to see this kind of come to life. Um, there was a, one student at camp, not from our church, um, who was transgender, changed their name like four times in the past few months, and was openly practicing witchcraft. Um, and not like trendy internet witchcraft, which is a thing, but like considered herself to be a Wiccan and was like actively practicing this openly. <clears throat> And she, she did not want to be there. I don't know how she ended up at a Christian camp, but she did not want to be there. She was like, I don't want to hear anything that this bigot has to say. I don't want to listen to these talks. She walked out of one of them. Um, they couldn't get her to stand up for worship. And so one of her counselors was like, will you stay if I just sit down here with you? You don't have to participate. Will you just stay in the room? And so, you know, we were talking to, the, to her youth pastor and we were just kind of praying. And the night before a bunch of students decided to give their lives to Christ. Um, she just stood up for worship. And we had no idea why. And her counselor was like freaking out. She said, what's happening? And this student was the first one who decided that she wanted to follow Jesus in the room. And it was really cool. And it was also dumbfounding because there was no, <laughs> there was no reason to think that this student wanted anything to do with Christianity, this religion that's become associated in the world with like bigotry and um, oppression and all that, you know. And yet, we had no, there was nothing to do but pray. I mean, you can't convince somebody at that point who's that hardened, who's that convinced of something else, right? And she eventually came to the conclusion that she had had a really bad experience with a Christian, and that kind of tainted her perception of Jesus, who Jesus is, who the church is, who Christians are. And so she said, I want to make sure I'm giving this a fair shot, which is awesome, you know. And I don't know what it looks like for her to leave camp and actually start acting on that, but God got through to her somehow. And we can't, I, I mean, there was a speaker who gave really great talks, and there were people praying for her, but we can't thank anybody except God for that, right? 
Um, it was really cool. And so we have no reason to think sometimes that things are going to come to fruition. We don't think our prayer is going to be worth it, but we, we do it anyway. And that's biblical. And um, I want to read a verse from the book of James that I read last night. It's James 1, 5 through 8. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So if we're praying, I've done this before, I, where you pray, and you're like, I really want this, but like, I'm not sure it's going to happen, so I'm not really going to get my hopes up, God, but like, could you help if you're willing? But I don't know if you're really going to, so I'm going to come up with a plan B. You know, that, I used to do that a lot. I still have to catch myself. But he, James says, like, don't doubt because you're unstable and you're not going to see the fruition of your prayer. And in the gospel alone, Jesus, in the gospel of John alone, Jesus says, if you um, ask anything in the name of the Father, it will be given to you at least four times just in John. It's all throughout scripture. If you read any of the New Testament, if you ask God anything in his name, it will be given to you. As, and you're supposed to ask as if it's already been given to you. Um, it's a very audacious thing to pray. So I, I want to challenge you to have the audacity to believe that God is telling you the truth when you pray. Um, because I used to think that the, the gospel was true. I used to think the Bible was very true, but I was kind of the exception, you know? Like, God's grace is awesome, and I really do believe he's forgiving people, but not me. I, I'm kind of, you know, I, I'm too bad. <laughs> he can't forgive me. But for other people, this is definitely true. Um, but have the audacity to believe that what God says in the Bible about you is true, and it's about you. And so what are we praying for? Like, are we just praying for frivolous things? Um, which, to be clear, God cares about frivolous things. Um, depending on your definition of the word frivolous. Um, I, was a, I was kind of a late bloomer in getting my driver's license, so I was 25, and uh, taking a driving test with the one and only Evie Hopkins as my sponsor. So I went with her, I was using her car, and um, she, I was, she was like, do you want to pray on the way to the driving test? And I was like, I don't know if, that feels kind of like insignificant. I don't know if we should be praying about that. Like, does God care? And she's like, oh yeah. Like, no doubt in her mind. Like, God cares. Like, God cares about every part of our lives, like the minor things and the big things. So, like, have the audacity to believe that God cares about you stubbing your toe <laughs> and losing your glasses and, like, getting a flat tire because God does care about those things. But at the same time, if those are the only things that we're praying for, um, we have a different problem where we don't really think God can solve things. And God does care about everything, and that includes like very big, important things. Um, and so there was another student at camp who he said that his prayer was that he wanted to feel more spiritually alive, um, which is a really cool prayer. Actually, I think we should all pray that. Um, and so after that night where students were giving their lives to Christ, um, we went back to our cabin and we were like, let's pray for those students, you know? And we were praying, and we all prayed, and then you could feel this, like, we stopped praying and it was silent in the room and you could feel this presence of God in the room. And then that student who was asking for that prayer just started praying. And I got to tell you, like, it was not him praying. It was definitely God. It was the Holy Spirit praying through him <laughs> because me and the other guy in the cabin were like, 
that's not him. We can tell. And he like blacked out. He couldn't remember what he prayed. It was awesome. I'd like just getting to witness something like that was really cool. Um, and so, you know, we, but we had the boldness, the audacity to actually ask God to do something like that in the lives of a 16 year old, you know, because we chose to believe that God does care about that. And uh, so we watched that happen. And so have the audacity to also pray that like God can get you out of your mess. <laughs> And that God can, he can fix your marriage. He can change the way that you think about women or men, um, people. <laughs> um, he, can, he can remove things from your life that are causing physical pain, spiritual pain, emotional pain. Like, really believe that. Have the audacity to ask God for those things. Because <clears throat> um, I used to have sort of a warped perception of prayer, where it was like this last-ditch effort, kind of like what I was just saying, where it's like, all right, I'm good. I figured this out. I, can, I have this skill. I can solve this problem. But now things are getting bad. So God, can you help me? <laughs> um, I, didn't, I didn't need you before. I figured that out on my own. But now I'm not good enough. So can you help, please? Um, which is not a very, that's not a good view of God. Uh, that's not what God wants from us. And also it's not true, <laughs> for the record. I'm not good enough without God. That's just what I had myself convinced of. Um, and I had a friend who I won't say his name, but I'll just tell you he's very good at guitar, um, who I told him at one point, I said, I, I feel so needy with God. Like, I feel like I keep praying the same prayer for like months and years, and I'm just praying the same thing, and like, I'm getting tired of hearing my own prayer, because it just, it feels like I'm regurgitating the same thing. And um, he told me that, like, it's okay to be needy with God. This is what children do. We're God's children. And I don't have kids yet, but I know that kids are very needy. Like, they are inherently needy. It's part of being a kid. They need things, right? Because they can't do things on their own. And so it's okay to be needy with God because I can't do things on my own. And even if I could, I probably wouldn't because I'm a sinner. So it's be needy with God. Be persistent. That's literally what the, the parable is talking about, is be persistent. And even if it feels like you're just saying the same thing over and over, if you're really believing that, if you're really, truly, like, coming to God, and it's not just some chant you're doing, then, like, keep doing it. You're doing the right thing. It's okay to be needy with God. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so I want to make that clear. And also have the audacity to make prayer your first line of action, not, not a backup plan like I used to do. Um, because prayer is the first and best thing we can do, and it, it doesn't cost anything. It's free. It's given to us. We can come before the Father. So make it your first line of action. Even if you don't want to, even if you don't think it's going to work, do it. <laughs> um, and also, one thing I want to say is, don't use, if you, are, you should be praying. If you are praying, don't use prayer as an excuse not to take action afterwards also. Um, because the same guy, James, who said not to doubt what you're praying, he also said this. He says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can, his, that, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving him the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And just to clarify, it's not saying you can earn your way to God. That's not what this verse is saying. What it is saying is that you should pray first and believe that prayer, and then you should, you should take the tangible action also. Like James is saying, if I told you to go and not be hungry and then didn't give you any food, 
you're going to be hungry, right? So it's not helpful. And there's this stereotype of Christians right now, especially on the internet, of when tragedies happen, which seems like every day now, um, that you see on like Twitter and comments on news posts where Christians are like, I'll be praying, and then nothing happens. And there's sort of this resentment online of people towards Christians, like, thanks for your prayers, that didn't save this child's life, you know. Um, which is unfortunate, because if these people realized how many hospitals and orphanages and schools and so many things are around today because of Christians who took action, you know. And so I think people need to learn that Christians in, the, in history have taken action <laughs> because of prayer. And I think we also need to make sure we're not the reason that they think Christians don't take any action. Um, because we're just saying, I'll pray for you, and then we don't actually help the world at all, right? Um, and one thing I'll also say is make sure you're actually praying if you say you're going to pray for somebody. I'm sometimes really bad at that. I say I'm going to pray for somebody, and then I forget, and then I feel really bad. Um, and so I'm trying to get in the habit of just praying for someone right then and there, because I'm going to forget, and then I'm going to feel guilty. <laughs> so take action on actually praying, too. But in the book of Acts, the, the apostles, they're literally they're praying and believing their prayers, and they literally do the same things that Jesus does. They heal people. They, they perform miracles, right? They took action, but it took a lot of prayer beforehand, and they were with Jesus first, but they still had a, a lot of believing to do, as you see in the Bible. So, um, and also Rome was dumbfounded by the way that Christians treated people. They treated their poor and the needy so well that the, like, the leaders of Rome were like, what is wrong with these Christians? Like, why do they care so much? Um, so that, that's kind of the, that's the posture we should have towards society. That's kind of our, what our reputation should ideally be. Um, not, not so that we can earn the praise of the world, but so that the world is like, what are these people doing? And why are they acting so different? What is it about their God that makes them want to do these things? So have the audacity to pray and then take action about that prayer, right? And um, it's really, it's the most Sunday school answer imaginable. Like, what should you do? Pray and read your Bible. And I try to hammer to people that like, those are the most common answers. They're the church answers and they're the right answers. <laughs> There's a reason that like, you're going to hear that your entire life is you need to pray. You need to read your Bible. There's no substitution for it. And we can get we can get scripture passages online, we can get the Bible app and get the verse of the day and read a devotional, and all those are good, and you can do that, but there, there's no alternative for just reading the Bible and getting in God's Word, whether it's in a physical book or on the Bible app, you know, or the internet. Um, and the same thing with prayer. There's really, I mean, there's not a single alternative to prayer, and there shouldn't be. Like, we have the privilege of coming before our God. He lets us, He created us, and then he lets us come before him and talk to him. And he tells us to have the audacity to ask him things. Like God, God is telling us to, to act like we've already earned, not earned, already received the things that he is offering. Even though we know our hearts, we know how sinful we are. We know the ways we've hurt people and screwed up, right? That's audacity. That's bold. And if you really think about how big God is, and how small we really are. Like, that takes some audacity. Um, and it takes a level of being obnoxious, which is what the parable is saying. Be, be annoying, be needy. It's okay, because God is not going to tire of us. Um, and the Bible is very clear on that. God is not going, you're not going to go one step too far in your sin where God's like, nope, unforgivable, right? 
God is not going to tire of us asking. He's not going to tire of us having audacity. Um, so, in conclusion, pray. Um, like I said, it's the Sunday school answer. It's the right answer. Talk to people about what prayer means. Um, if you're confused, try praying in different ways. There's like methods to praying. There's different, like, there's the Lord's Prayer that most people who've been in churches know. You can recite that to start with. Um, you can talk, you can have other people pray for you. It's great. If you don't have the words to pray sometimes, have someone else pray for you. It's amazing. And I just want to um, close with a verse from James. And I think it's funny that I picked this verse because Pastor Lily was just talking about this in her prayer. It says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one that is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So if you keep praying, you're going to see God doing things. That's what I learned last week (laughs) in a whole new way. I got to see God really at work, and I got to see what it is that God is really working against and who it is that God's really working for. And God works all things for the good of people who love him. And there's a very real spiritual battle going on in different ways for a lot of people, but it's real. And when you're reminded of the way that God fights that battle for us, it is, it's amazing. I'm still on this like high from last week where I'm like, I can't believe I got to see these things. I, got, I can't believe I got to see God at work. Um, so... Really pray and be, pray audaciously. Have audacity in your prayer. And don't just pray because you're supposed to and because you feel guilty that you haven't. Sometimes that's a good way to start back up, but don't let that be the main reason you're praying is because you're guilty and because you feel like you need to do it. Pray like you've been invited to talk to the creator of the universe. And pray like Jesus died so that you can come to the Father without fear. You know, in the Old Testament, they were very fearful to come before God. And Jesus died so that we can go to God without fear. And pray like you've been filled with the Holy Spirit so that you don't have to doubt a word of God's promises that he's made to you and that they're true. And ask God for things with shameless audacity. And, and you might just be blown away by what you see God do. In the world. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you are interested in learning more about what we do here at FBC, please visit our website, fbcamers.org. Also consider subscribing to this podcast so you can get a notification when our weekly sermons are posted. Again, thank you for listening to this podcast. Have a great day.